in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbarnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Brian Fry, and joining me today are my good friends and co-hosts, Dustin Melbardis. Hello. Chad Robinson. How's it going, Chad? Countdown time. And Russell Guest. How are you doing, Russ? I am hanging in there, and this year began with pandemic, and I, I'm going to be sick to leave it, so that's just, that's, that's appropriate. Everybody else got over it, so I'm going to finish it up sick. We believe in you. Gotcha. Yeah. Right? All right. Well, our 2022 recap is going to be all the movies that we have discussed this year in our rankings of them. Just to uh, give you a little recap of what else happened this year in world news, Russia invaded the Ukraine. Will Smith slapped the crap out of Chris <laughs> Rock on Oscar night. A hybrid work, work from home is here to stay. HIV vaccine trials have been given to trial patients. Elon Musk bought Twitter. That's still a gift that Whoops. keeps on giving. It's Inf going well. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Inflation is back in style and interest rates are up and the economy is slowing. Highest grossing movie, rightfully so. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Turn and burn, yeah. baby. Movie is awesome. <laughs> Notable celebrity deaths this year were Kevin Conroy at 66, Robbie Coltrane, rest in peace, at 72. Angela Lansbury breaks my heart at 96, Lois Fletcher at 88, Michelle Nichols at 89, James Conn at 82, Ray Liotta at 67, Gilbert Godfrey at 67, William Hurt at 71, Ivan Rittman at 75. Queen, Queen Elizabeth II did in fact pass away this year at 96, Bill Russell at 88, and Taylor Hawkins at yeah, I kind of feel bad about we we accidentally killed the queen in broadcast news. That was a very early episode. She passed away this year. So that that is not our fault, by the way. Yeah, I listened to that after the fact on a recap, walking through some of the recordings this year, and I thought, hmm, that didn't age well. No, no. <laughs> like many things <laughs> that, we do. Very quickly. She was a big that fan of the show. She but... aged as well as she could, but then, you know, it always catches up. Father Time, undefeated. Uh, Chad, how about uh, kicking us off with some movie ranks this year? All right. So we did our top 50. We covered 50 movies this year. That is a record for us. We've never covered that many. Yeah. Uh, we're going to break this down into blocks of 10. What we do is uh, we'll highlight some, some of our hosts that loved the movie, some of the hosts that didn't love it as much, and then just kind of kick it around to see which one of us wants to say something. Yeah, so we did have ties in, in our list. I will say that how the ties were broken is whoever put in a really high vote. So we gave that preference and weight. Going to get into our bottom movie. We had Lizzie Haynes join. Lizzie is one of our hosts. She didn't have a chance to watch all these movies. So right now you've got four guys rating this movie. Oh no, I feel, Valentine's like, Day. I feel like the way that you're setting it up, I already know what it is. Yes, Valentine's Day is our bottom 
tier movie at number 50. Uh, at 49, we have First Wives Club from 1996. At 48, Easy Rider. 47, we have Crank from 2006. 46, we've got Conspiracy Theory. 45, Dracula. 44, Leprechaun, Russell's favorite movie. We'll get to that. Number 43, we have The Classic Deep Rising. 42, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey from 2012. 41, Monkey Business from 1931. And number 40, our first dealer's choice on the list. This was Brian Fry's Hackers from 1995. So, fellas, I think we've got to address Valentine's Day. Three of us, Dustin, Brian, and myself had this as our bottom tier movie. Dustin, you are famously on the Gary Marshall train. <laughs> I am on the Gary Marshall train. Tell us, what's your problem with this iteration of Gary Marshall? I, I appreciate who he is and what he does. And if you wanted to go back, dear listener, and listen to the episode, we know that he accomplishes what he wanted to do. I believe yes. I believe he takes the budget and makes five times that in the box office. So he's here to make money. He's not here to make a good movie. We're not evaluating Laverne and Shirley. We're not evaluating some of his older movies. We're not evaluating any of that. We're looking at a big amalgamation of movie stars tossed into a terrible, uh, using my ranking, half-star movie. Um, and and the, <laughs> small, the small amount of humor in it does earn a half-star. It doesn't just arbitrarily get a low rating. I, I would rate it a half-star. There's some funny stuff. And they said, okay, this is good enough. Uh, I think I think maybe there was just like this was a classic case of dollar signs in the eyes and mm. it got made and some executives lined their pockets. That's certainly the case with Julia Roberts, like not uh, here to make a good movie, yeah. here to make money. She got paid a ludicrous amount per second. And, and I told you all when we covered this movie, I think it was the fifth movie of the year that you could kind of rest easy because no matter what movie we got pitched or whatever movie we covered later on throughout the year that. Don't worry, we'll always have Valentine's Day as the worst of the year. So it's, feel free to pitch whatever you want. We know it can't be worse than this. And Russell was our lone holdout. He had this as his 43rd. So he had seven movies that were worse than Valentine's Day. I didn't find this movie as offensive as you guys did. So it's light, it's fluffy, it's not an amazing movie. However, this is the first year that we covered movies that I actively did not like. Like, on a normal year, I would say five of these movies would have been the bottom place movie. So, we've broken new highs. I think this is a year where we had a lot of really great movies. But we've also lowered the bar simultaneously here. And um, Leprechaun is as low as it goes. I mean, it's that is a half-star movie for me. I really didn't enjoy it. It was hard to come back and watch it again. I've seen the first three of them. They don't get any better. I, That's true. And I don't really enjoy what they're doing. They're not funny enough to be funny. They're not scary enough to be scary. It's not well made enough to be well made or made at all. So it is caught in the <laughs> nebulous, awkward zone of why? Why? I mean, I feel bad for Warwick Davis that this is an important way that he makes money and has to keep doing it 12 times over. Mm. He wasn't in one of them, and it was much worse. Leprechaun Origins. Yeah. But, but Crank, but Crank would normally also be my bottom movie as well. That was also very bad. I feel like that's more fair. Leprechaun is 
fun. You know, it's a B movie. It's fun. Uh, Russell hates fun. And uh, we're just, we're discovering this. Crank is a dumb, fun movie. As far as uh, bottom, bottom of our dealer's choice, First Wives Club was actually Lizzie Haynes' choice. And we as four men just slaughtered it. And I feel bad. So I'm taking this time to say, I'm sorry, Lizzie. Like, I, I, I tried really hard. Like, and then you gave it a 48. <laughs> you gave it a 49 chance so like let's not uh, i did i mean no glass houses to know that. stones you know <laughs> no no i i gave i gave first wives club a 43 thank you very much okay no it was dustin that was less nice yeah i i was less nice brian summed it up by saying we are not the target audience here because the the joke had to hit a certain period of people where becoming a first wife or the fear of divorcing because your husband trades you in for a newer sleeker model like that right that's our women are more empowered now like that 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 movie came out during a very specific time period where the joke still hit but we were also moving away from those and it was like how do you market for a movie for 34 to 55 year old women only however some of the performances in that movie actually made my superlatives list. So, like, there's things you, to pull from it, even though you, I ranked it low. Don't you kind of find it fun as a revenge movie, though? Like, I mean, no, oh, I did. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't hate this as much as you guys did. Well, hate's a strong word. I I feel like hate's sure. reserved for Valentine's Day, and apparently for you and Leprechaun. Leprechaun. It's not going to get any lower. I've already gotten my dirty laundry out there. Crank and Leprechaun have received my ire and everything else after that is some degree of i would watch this sunshine and rainbows brian we have to address yours uh hackers fell in the bottom 10 we know i think you know i was on that episode i think you know that it's a it's number 40 it's an imperfect movie it's the only way that movie would have made it on this show like i i did it for hackers mm. like on I behalf felt like of I hackers yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I owed it to that movie given the love that I hold for it. And I completely understand that I am on an island. Right. Like, yeah, and you were at number 15. You were 15. on an island, sir. Yes. So high. That's high. I, I, I love it. I love it. I mean, Matthew not, Lillard got you some I'm not mad that points. I watched this one, though, unlike the two that I had below it. So I had it low, yeah. Yeah. but I'm not mad that I watched it. You know, I had it on VHS, then I had it on DVD, then I had it on Blu-ray. Hell, I even think I bought it digitally. It's a movie I enjoy. It is pure popcorn for me, and and I suggested it knowing that I would probably be the only one. I, I, I will ranked say it. this. The, the amount of references to this obscure movie since seeing it has been astounding. I have... I've seen it come up probably once a month in my life and I work <laughs> a lot in code. It's like, why are people referencing this movie? But I do owe you a thanks and gratitude. Now I know when someone says hack the world or mentions hack the planet, hack the planet. Yeah, hack the mentions planet. the Gibson, like, okay, yeah. now we're on the same page. Doesn't have this at 26, so he kind of likes it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that uh, ordinarily you might take a list and say, all right, the top 25 are the good movies, the bottom 25 are the bad movies, in which case at number 26, this would be the best of the bad movies, but not this year. We had a lot of good movies, so I still we have did. it in my favorable like movie list. I, I did want to look at the rest of these very briefly. Dracula, I think, is just kind of d- didn't age well. 
But the last thing I wanted to say, did monkey business fall in this category here? Yeah. Monkey business is 41. So with monkey business here, I, I was talking with Brian and Chad before the show. I'd almost be willing to say like, this doesn't deserve to be in the movie rankings list because it's, it's not a movie. Like these old Marx Brothers movies are just hour long romps with no direction. And it's three hours of jokes fit into one hour. And it's funny. I was laughing out loud at a bunch of this stuff. Uh, so it almost like it feel like it should exist outside of the rankings because I don't feel like it's deserving of saying like, well, 40 movies are better than monkey business. It's almost like it doesn't fit as a movie. Does that make sense? We were, not for me. We were hard on the not for me. 1931 movies. Yeah, Russell Russell appreciates this movie a lot more. We it was 30, 42, 45, and then Russell comes and he's like 19, sir. It's just too funny. It's just too funny. Well, here's the here's the thing. I I'll uh, I'll put it I'll put it next to I'll put it next to Hackers in this way. Like when you like something, like I didn't put Hackers at number two. <laughs> like it's not like i understand like i get it like i know 15 sounds high but i mean i i i intellectually understand that it's not gonna <laughs> be winning awards out there so you know same same deal here yeah yeah i mean you can like what you like this is not a i hope no one took this list and was like hey what is the best made movie because I, I'm going to have some defense and big trouble in Little China later on, <laughs> if that was the case, if that's the direction we went. AFI has my back here. It, they, they have Monkey Business at the number 73, funniest movie of all time. After doing the show with you for two years, I'm beginning to distance myself from this AFI you love so much. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's often wrong. But I'm glad that <laughs> academy, you are kind of a defender. The academy of is smart. This, this is not the and podcast to be like, said. the critics agree with me. Well, I'm going to be going back to right, that well true. a couple times, I think. That's so. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that well, at number 39, this is our third dealer's choice, Breaking Away from 1979. Mm. This was Russell's, mm. and we'll we'll talk about his hurt feelings here in a mm. minute. Uh, the Professionals is at 38 from 1966. This was controversial. Hellraiser, 1987 is our 37th movie at 36 Christmas classic Home Alone 2 at 35 Almost Famous from 2000 34 we have 9 to 5 from 1980 33 our first James Bond film we had 2 On Her Majesty's Secret Service from 1969 at 32 another dealer's choice this time Dustin's going down Collateral 2004 31, we have The Princess and the Frog, and our number 30 movie is our second James Bond film, Moonraker, from 1979. Russell, well, we've got three dealer's choices, or no, two in this category. We'll address yours first, because uh, there are some hurt feelings, and you may want to use your voice. You have this as your number for movie and just just so everyone else knows where we landed brian fry has this as his number 49 movie whoa dustin has this as his number 47 so he likes it slightly a little more. bit and i think <laughs> i there's some empathy here because i knew how much this would hurt you so this showed up as my number 31 movie uh that that may or may not be my true feelings 
I'm gonna go with the AFI puts this in their top ten <laughs> most inspiring movies and best ten sports movies. So that's um, too bad. But uh, this is this is not in the best ten the, sports movies. It's not even. It's close. my number one sports movie ever, and it's in my top yes. ten dramas ever. And we were discussing how wrong that was prior to you joining. <laughs> yeah. Like, had you had you said Air Bud, it would have been less controversial. I, I think I could name. And basketball movies that I like better than this one. Right. Teen Wolf is, uh, that's going up there. Well, that's fair, but this cycling movie is better than all those basketball <laughs> movies. So, oh, oh, um, sir. This movie is just so, it, it, it's touching, it's inspiring, it's funny, it's, it's challenging, and it's honest, and it just captures this, uh, coming of age and this change of class, like this, this class struggle. As well as post-industrial decline happening in America, I have passed this on to other people, and other people are really happy to get this. So, <laughs> this is one of those mm. moments where the three people who are on with me right now just didn't get it, and it's one of those moments where I'm with Doctor Evil, going like, y y "You don't get it, do you, Scott?" <laughs> so I, I did some analytics, and I actually called this award the "You need to see it multiple times for someone loving a movie." more than the rest of us it was 27 spots higher than the next closest person <laughs> brian do you want to dunk on russell's movie? i'm hurt you i'm have, hurting you have it, I, uh, you have it at 49 hey i i, I you have crank you have I, crank uh, above this that really hurts me it's a better movie i think i do too i uh yeah i don't think we need to dunk on it <laughs> anymore no i'm just gonna say Chad and Fry came out flat. It's one of my most disappointing recordings ever because on the recording, <laughs> I, I like oh, man. I set them up for talking points. It's like, hey, how do you feel about this? And like, I don't, I don't relate to that. I, right. it, sounded like, it sounded like three extremely privileged white boys sitting there going like, this guy's got problems. I don't understand it. So, no, no, I grew up. Uh, my dad worked in the, uh, the, the, the ring of suburban privilege. No, no, it's uh, all right. That was a super uncomfortable episode because Fry and I recognized within about five minutes of recording that he and I were on the same page and there was discernible panic. We spent 15 minutes talking about a rock quarry. I was very like worried that we were going to go to negative town like hard on this. I edited some and of that out. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I try to, I try to live on a branch where, you know, you guys are giving my movies a shot. I'm going to give the same due diligence to yours. What should have been a lighthearted, like most sports movies, you know, have some level of strife, but there's the still sports piece that, that makes it a lighthearted yay thing. And I, I don't know, man, like this one, like it, it it's like going off a diving board that didn't have any spring. I, I do hope all of you would tell me if I were speaking in an Italian accent, like you would have the friendship level to say, Chad, you sound like a tool. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, just move on. But you know what, Brian, we will talk about a movie that you love. And, and it was, this was a controversial one. You loved it way more than the rest of us. The Professionals from 1966. You have this as your number six movie. He likes the westerns more than we do. That that we know this. That was a great suggestion. I really enjoyed being on that episode. Uh, you couldn't have picked a better person in terms of uh, having never seen it before and then going into it and then really hitting it. Oh man, I found it deeply unsatisfying. Like the Magnificent Seven is a better version of this. Dustin, you had it pretty low though, so I'll give you the counterpoint. Well, I mean, I was on this episode too. There were some 
things I wouldn't have done or things that it, for a Western I would have expected done differently. I remember in preparation for that show, because we had a wonderful guest, Dr. Andrew, and I, I thought to myself, like, these guys are convincing me to like this movie better, <laughs> but I don't want them to because I didn't love it, as you saw with my low ranking. Depending on who your audience is, you have to be willing to be like, I'm ready to get into Westerns. And I just don't think I was. Sometimes I'm surprised. Silverado really surprised me last year. But The Professionals surprised me in the opposite way. Also, uh, you know, th this is a, a long-standing Hollywood issue. They don't, they don't portray Mexicans well. It doesn't make a lot of sense in this one for me. But not many of them did. Mm -hmm. so it, it, was, it was just surprising because I, I did go into it wanting to like it more. I'll, I'll also completely cop to the fact that having just watched The Professionals, it probably got a higher rating from me just because it was a new find. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes, Fry does value new movies. If you can, if you can find something new that he likes. How many this year were this new is... to you, Fry? Like 23 of these. Almost half of them were new to me. Uh, maybe 10. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's still good. Uh, Dustin, we will move on to yours, though, because you have your dealer's choice of collateral. Mm -hmm. And you have it at number 18. A man movie. And it's, it is all over the place. I gave it a 36. Brian gave it a 20. Russell was the hardest on it. He gave it a 42. By the mm -hmm. way, by the time you're to mid-40s, I don't hate any of these movies. Like, I did, I'm going to do what Fry did last year. I enjoyed this movie. The low rating is just a matter of we watched a lot of good movies. Other yeah. things are better. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. So, well, I, I remember the thing about this movie was I was introduced to this young, and it was a movie that me and my friends watched a lot, but it's not like any of us, I think, ever said it was like our favorite movie. It just was one that we would watch. And so I never really watched it critically until we did it for the show. And so like picking it as a dealer's choice for me this time was like, let me get these guys who I trust. Let me get my friends here on the show to either back me up and say, hey, as teenagers, you guys were smart watching a smart Michael Mann movie. Or it's like, actually, this movie isn't as great as you remember. You know, Russell brought up stuff about the soundtrack that I didn't know. He sent me this awesome article about Tom Cruise's suit, about like all of the different customizations about it to make him look the way that he looks. And we get a better acting performance out of Jason Statham. So oh. it's a win. There you go. Yeah, this was a tough 10 for you, Dustin. Like you had four of these where you're you were the bottom man on for for this for this pack of 10. Right. Yeah. Dustin has Almost a, famous almost famous Hellraiser professionals and Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Low man for all of those. So this was this these, these were harder movies for you. Right. 9 to 5 is what surprises me. Dustin, uh are you welcome back in your hometown of Sevierville after after this hit job you've done on Miss Dolly Parton? I'm an American treasure. What a terrible mischaracterization you've just provided. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brian assassinated that as well. So It's a movie that I don't particularly care for. One of the issues about when you're from the town Dolly Parton's from, there's a lot to love. You don't have to love it all. I don't like the song Jolene. Ooh. I love the Imagination Library. I don't like the song 9 to 5. I love Dollywood. They trained me to become the professional that I am today. That one, that one I, I knew I would be ranking low. Almost Famous surprised me that how low I ranked it because if you remember, Brian, that world of ultra devotion to a band, whether that's like people that work for the band or groupies, that world turns me off. So I was turned off of this movie right away. And I remember talking about that with you. Yeah. I, 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 I guess and I just... And also turns you off. 
No, I I expected it to be. I wasn't on that episode. I expected it to perform much better. I came in at twenty nine. I was like, oh, I'm going to be the anchor for this, and and I was not. I will thank you, Dustin, for I would have been for being for, the for, anchor for, for bailing <laughs> him out for being the anchor on Hellraiser because that would have been two horror movies in our bottom twenty that I would have been the low man. I was the this low is, man on Dracula. This is off brand for you, Chad. This doesn't I, feel right. I, I I will get to fixing that later on. I do have to defend one of mine that was way off from everybody else. I was on it and maybe the episode is special to me because I found this movie and I shared it with my wife. It's kind of my movie to share is the princess and the frog. This was my number four movie. I didn't and, know you liked it. I knew you liked it. I didn't know you liked it this much with capital this. Yeah, you're hearing that, oh, because Brian and Dustin don't know these ratings. They know what they did, but you both did the same thing. 35, 35, and then Russell at 41. Oh, wow. I don't dislike, again, above 45, (laughs) we don't have bad movies, so it's okay. I I sing the Are You Ready, Friends on the Other Side all the time. I sing Almost There all the time. This was a return to form of the Disney that I love. I love the classic style. Is it the highest echelon of Disney movies? No, I don't think so. It's emulating a lot of it, but I still love the addition of Tiana. I love the meaningfulness of the movie, the bayou setting, Louisiana, Everything about it is just magic. Dr. Facilier is so much fun. The voodoo. And it's the green you need. Keith David. And when I look into your future, it's the green that I see. Keith David is just magic. I I love all of that. And you guys don't. And you know what? That's okay. I don't hunt down Disney, Pixar, any, you know, that style movies. That's not something I look for. I'm far too cynical. Please don't take You're that rating personal. Old age. Oh, completely, oh, I, completely. I mean, just complete nihilism. <laughs> but I knew Fry would tank this. And by the way, my daughter is scared of the Shadow Man, so that is not helpful to this. But it is an episode that I recorded with my wife that helped a lot, and all of us gave it really good ratings. It was a Lizzie episode, so Dustin, Dustin's the one that broke my heart here. I I knew that uh, Fry would tank this. Did you think I tanked it? No, I'm I'm getting it. I'm Compared the low man on this one. Yes, yes, Russ, Russell is the problem. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll all agree on that. So at number 29, another dealer's choice of Russell. Russell's down they fall, and we're about to have more. The Killers from 1946. At 28, Big Trouble in Little China. At 27, The Dirty Dozen from 1967. 26, The Last of Russell's Dealer's Choice, Take the Money and Run from 1969. 25 was Broadcast News. Fry, we're going to have some things to talk about. 24, Fatal Attraction. At 23, Top Gun. 22, we have The Right Stuff, new to me, 1983. At 21, this is my bad, guys. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. How dare you! I, I we'll, we'll get to me defending myself. 43. I, all mm. right. We're, Whoa. <laughs> and the last of it is 20, the shop around the corner at 1940. Yeah, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. 
The series has never clicked with me. I'll be honest with it. I've given it multiple shots because my friends love it. My family members on my wife's side love it. Big Harry Potter fans, I don't think my family on my side would understand it at all. So this was the movie that Russell hyped. He's like, okay, you didn't like the first one. This is the best of Harry Potter. And if this is the best you got, I ain't interested in the rest, folks. You all I, kicked I, my dog with, with breaking away, but then you gave me another dog, and Chad, you just kicked it. I, uh, I, 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 I'm I, happy I want for to you. <laughs> Russell has this at seven. I am so happy that you love this series and have a huge franchise to love. That's great. Uh, Gary Oldman, based in the, on this movie, got me to read Harry Potter. I, I passed on the first movie. I mean, I saw them all. So, and now I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So I I didn't have this particularly high on my list, but I will absolutely give it the nod as the gateway drug that got me into Harry Potter. And, and I feel like that speaks volume. I feel like the, the ages that are slightly younger than me, like that's their thing. And there's about a 10 year gap. Are you implying there's a Quidditch line? I don't, I don't know what that is, but sure. Uh, you watched the movie. I, it doesn't mean I remember or care about it. I fall in that just a slightly younger than you area. And I did read these books before the movies became a thing. A funny story actually about that. My, my sister asked my parents if she asked a, a silly question. And, you know, we've joked about it before. She said, will you get me the, the Sorcerer's Stone? I want to collect the Harry Potter books. Hmm. And my dad goes, What? And she's like, I want to collect the Harry Potter books. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a weird thing to say. And what she was she was caught up with the idea that all of her friends had them. And so she wanted them. Uh. So my dad said, okay, yeah, I'll buy you a book. So we went camping. She brings the book with her. She reads a couple pages and puts it down. Well, I'm out there in the woods. I read the whole thing in a day. And then I was one of those like, okay, I'm going to get every one of these when they come out. But I'm a pretty big fan. Uh, I don't rewatch these movies. I forgot how good Azkaban was. And so I, I think rating at number seven is high, but I forgot that it was really good. But the, the thing about it is like, I, I think there's, there, this is one of those franchises that you can be too big a fan of. You see jewelry, you see tattoos of, of this uh, property. But if I drive by like the soccer pitch and I see a bunch of college students on broomsticks playing like a stupid <laughs> game, I drive by and I go, that's dumb. And I keep driving. <laughs> so like there's, there's, I'm like it 98% has to be sports of for athletic people to still get into. So if unathletic people find a sport that's not being played by athletic people, they become the best at it. Don't take that away from them. It's called pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> I watch the funny pickleball videos. It's like ultimate frisbee. Hippie, <laughs> hippies everywhere are like, we could do this. Nobody else is doing this. This could be for us. Hacky sack. That's for us. Yeah. Well, we got to get hacky sack rules. <laughs> we got to get off Harry Potter because this is probably our most controversial 10 list. So we will get to your absolute just tanking of Top Gun. But first, we got to talk about your dealer's choice, the killers from 1946. Well, it didn't go that badly because Brian wouldn't watch my dealer's choice last year. He vacated the episode and just refused to watch Pink Panther. And that really hurt my feelings. So when Brian was on my dealer's choice this year, I picked a movie, not for everybody else, but only for Brian. So one of my best friends in the world wouldn't just pack up and say, nope, to. So I said, Brian likes crime noir. I'll do this for him. 
And so this is for you, Brian. And you know what? You didn't totally let me down. I mean, you didn't oh, like it as much movie. as I thought you would, but oh, you, you, gave it an, you gave it an acceptable top half rating and yeah. that's what it was for. It was for you. I, this, uh, is, this is pretty much how I tell, you know, Russell's described how I feel about all of you. You didn't totally let me down. Oh, <laughs> what a sweetheart. Right? That's, that's the best you'll get. I, I'm an open book. Like, I, I, I feel like, you know, you, right. can, you can find something that I'll like that might be off the cuff, but I'm pretty set in my ways. Uh, so <laughs> it's, you know, and, and I did. This is a really enjoyable movie. I had a blast watching this film. I, I, I am going to spend hopefully my next, I don't know how many dealer's choices showing Russell sports movies that are good. Oh, I cannot right. wait. That, that, that are better than, yes. I mean, I've seen other more. sports movies. It's not like I haven't seen them, so. No. Ha- have you seen Airbud 2? <laughs> I actually have. Airbud 2. Oh, wow. cool. I have. Well. Right. Russell, your last dealer's choice. It's take the money and run. It finishes at number 26. You have an ally. This is split. So you and Dustin, you're at 8 and Dustin's at 12. And then Fry and myself, we're... We're pretty close at 38 and 40. I like the mockumentary comedy format. It worked for me. And especially when you keep it short, and this one did. And Woody Allen is very, 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 very funny in this. So I, I, there were just so many things in this that I think that I remember that I you know, will go around incorporating into my humor. Well, it's, it's right next to my Moonraker ranking. And that's because, like... Moonraker is probably one of the Bond movies I've watched the most because it was one of the few I had on VHS. Maybe you should raise your ranking because I have a gub pointed right at you. <laughs> I said Spo- gub again. Supposed to say gub, right? <laughs> when I watch, I ranked it pretty high. And uh, when I watch Take the Money and Run, I'm like, the, the style of humor for these jokes and these gags, some of it is so just tacked on to the end of another sentence that's already funny. And then it, and it's almost like, like, there's a second punchline. You're always waiting in the wings for something else. I was pleasantly surprised by this. It, it fell in my list of, oh, what do you know? I had no idea. And this was his first movie, Russell, right? It's his first. Yeah, he had, he had acted in movies, right. but this is his first director, writer, lead actor. And we talked about it. He refines his directing style over the next 40 years, but it didn't need to be a well-directed movie. This is funny. And speaking of Dustin's top list, we have to talk about... Broadcast news, number four from Dustin. Yeah, I I loved it too. It was number eleven for me, Brian. Forty eight. Brian, yeah, I I listened to that episode with you. I didn't detect this kind of disappointment out of you. Yeah, yeah, I I was deceived. It's it's not that the movie itself has like inherent flaws. It's just not something I'd ever choose to watch again. Like, that it, is it's, fair. It, it, it doesn't have any real rewatchability for me. You know, it's it's not really anything against the movie itself. It's more that I, I just don't have any desire to ever see it again. I never really wanted to see it again when I first saw it, but I also saw it too young. I saw it like when I was 17 because it was on the AFI top 100 funniest list. I know losing popularity with people on this right. podcast but yeah, um, not 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 that funny yes, great movie but. but it was on the top 100 and i i i did leave chad going like this isn't funny and i don't like it and then fast forward i actually rewatched it last year not for the show but just because it was on hbo and i got it, it as an adult you have to be able to understand the news cycle the world around you it's not it's not yucking it up every two seconds but it's a smart movie 
like when I watch this, and I rated it very, very high. Yes. Uh, we've mentioned this year, we've been done some, we've made some breakthroughs. It's like I'm sitting on the couch and I've got three therapists here. And my fourth therapist, Lizzie, is, is in Kentucky, not on the show. And we like talk through the things that I like and the things I look for. And so we've got Altman, we've got Holly Hunter, and we've got William Hurt, RIP. And all these performances are incredible. So that's, that's, that's accounting for the ranking. It's not the totality of the movie. It's the performances. I could watch Holly Hunter act all day. Uh, mm-hmm. William Hurt. I'd never seen him as like a heartthrobby guy, uh, but they they definitely frame him as that. <clears throat> and so like our, our, our characters are fun to watch and they're all flawed. And that's what the breakthrough of this year was, is that Dustin likes to watch flawed people interact with each other and interact with the world. So it, it, I thought those kind of character traits are sometimes overshadowed by heroes and so not Ashton Kutcher and Valentine's Day. Uh, no. Take a walk. <laughs> it, it, it's just something that that like you don't. I don't think you see it frequently. So it's refreshing, and because it was so refreshing, it ranked it ranked ranked very high. I'll also yeah. add one little caveat to this: that uh, the newsroom got to me first, and. In terms of journalism shows, like I absolutely revered that show. Yeah. And Jeff Daniels is my guy. So I, I feel like when I went into this, I'm like, yeah, newsroom. And then I was like, ah, yeah, you didn't get it's newsroom. Not, it's, it's not newsroom, no. but I actually find newsroom. Like I found the jokes in newsroom funnier than the jokes in this. So it's just, I, I, I probably was holding it to a, an incorrect standard and, and that harmed it unintentional well speaking of holding to incorrect standards according to russell we're gonna we've (laughs) got to talk about top gun which brian fry has as his number five movie dustin and i agree that it's 19 and russell agrees with nobody he is on his on the highway to the danger zone at 46 (laughs) i was close to brian I was close. I, I was only 41 spots lower. <laughs> I mean, this this probably cost Top Gun a spot in I, I mean, top 20 easily. Like, Full disclosure, I, this movie has been shortlisted four times. Four times. And I yes. passed on it every time. And Which is unfortunate because it's a good movie. I know. I know. And I kept saying, I should not be on this episode. Let one of my other co-hosts take it. Uh, all, all I'm saying is, in 2032, you best believe Maverick's happening. Right. I, I just don't it. hate. I don't hate the movie. I, I think it's a two star movie. I think it's, I think it's a below average movie. I don't. There's so many people love it. I, I want somebody who loves it to have been on the episode. So, I try to channel that enthusiasm that exists for the movie. I see its merits. I just don't think that it's got a lot going for it. It's kind of empty. I and, wanted to be on the episode. God, Russell, you, took, and, and you just fairness, took my breath away. In fairness, if you go back and look at the critics' ratings, Ebert, Malton, and the others have my back on this one. I think uh, we've established yeah. that we heavily disagree with the expert. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just let and us speaking, have this little corner. Let us have this little show in the corner. <laughs> we have a, we have if, a powwow. If yeah. people want to listen to the experts, they'll go to another show. They're coming to the right. round table. <laughs> because you want my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of corners, Uh-oh. that is an excellent segue master tonight. Dustin, this is your happy place here. 
we're going to have you talk. You have the shop around the corner from 1940 as your number one movie. Yes. Top 10 for me. And I have to disclose this because I texted Russell. I was like, Russell, you're going to enjoy this movie. Fry's not going to enjoy this movie. No, you said he's going to hate it. This is true. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to spare those words, but thank you, Russell, for not. And then I said, not, "Oh, is it not good?" And you said, "Yes, no, he's just going to hate it." And then I watched I, it, and then I texted you back and said, "I did really enjoy this, and Fry yes, probably Russell, hates this." <laughs> Russell has it at ten, and Brian has it at forty-one, and Dustin has it as his number one. The credit goes to Russell's sister-in-law here, Meredith, for presenting it. I was just pulled in so many different delightful directions and seeing not just shots, but also very clever uh, dialogue, small conversations between characters that you are meant to like, characters that you are meant to loathe, and a a very slow burn of a, uh, I think we, we learned during this podcast that this is the basis for a lot of other media, including the You've Got Mail movie from the late 90s. That, like this, this kind of two people who do know each other are falling in love with one another through correspondence, but in real life really don't like each other. Uh, I was surprised that the like there's a reveal about halfway through the movie. So the second half is with one of the person knowing and the other not knowing. And it's just a, a a warm little cozy spot for you as an audience member to witness. I think because it was a, an 82-year-old movie that was brand new to me, I came in with my expectations very low. And they exceeded so high. And many movies this year did that, by the way. It exceeded so high that uh, I, on the show, had to tell Meredith and Russell, I think this is the best movie I watched this year. And I stuck with it. Nice. That's that's awesome to find a new top movie. I, I figured I figured this would have been a little higher for you, Chad, because it involves witty dialogue. Like it's very crisp, the wording and the delivery of the actors. That's something that usually does it for you more than where you were. Not that you give it a bad rating, but just yeah, I, I expected I it to go higher. At, I came in at thirty-two, right. and it's because I found the ending deeply unsatisfying and kind of abrupt. It it probably merits a rewatch on my part and i was left wanting a better resolution than what we got i kind of so i kind of agree with you there because uh, I, 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 even though it's my number one i feel like it could be better uh and we talked a little bit about it but a lot of movies from that era just kind of like all right uh it's like is the show over okay and curtains like we're done right. we don't have to do anything else afterwards apparently loved in the leprechaun would have made it better for you i mean yes pogo stick deaths will get you very, very far. Uh, <laughs> I love Leprechaun, man. Yeah, I. that's one of my favorite episodes. It may come back up. It might come back up, but, yeah. Yeah. I, I volunteer for Back to the Hood. Back to the oh, Hood, yes. yeah. Yes, we will make this a tradition of Russell. Just Leprechaun in space is pretty awful, too. But anyways. Oh, don't of, make this an every March thing, please. No. Uh, we, yes. You've just yes, spoken it into be. existence, Russell. Thank you. Uh, right. No. Yep. <laughs> yep, every year. No. I don't know what other March movies there are, but we need to find some. Yeah. I what think we said, Russell, word, we can't hear you. have the word March in You know them, what's like, popular in March? March of the Penguins or something like that. Right. Yeah, basketball movies and leprechaun movies until Russell relents yes. that Breaking Away is not the best sports movie and that leprechaun is acceptable. But Bird, we Bird have Dark to Saints. move on. Top of the morning we to you, to 360 on. dunk. <laughs> there is a leprechaun basketball scene in Le 
A lep in the hood. But yes. Uh, a lep in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> so our number 19 movie is Beverly Hills Cop from 1984. Our number 18 movie, Some Like It Hot, 1959. 17 is The Conversation from 1974. 16 is Dustin's The Legend of Drunken Master from 1994. 15, this was Fry's Dealer's Choice at Frailty, 2001. 14 is The Ring from 2002. 13 is My First Dealer's Choice, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. At number 12, we have Dog Day Afternoon. And for our number 11 movie, we have Independence Day from 1996. Dustin, we've got Legend of Drunken Master for you, dealer's choice. This is this is your territory, Chad. You are the high man a lot of times on this one. By this, the way, six times six times you are the high man on this one. This is a happy place for me. This is true. I'm in agreement with Dustin. Dustin gave this an eight. I joined him with an eight. Oh, uh, wow. Brian and Russell are a little cooler. Uh, Brian's got a thirty-three. Russell's got a thirty. So I like kind. This is absolutely my favorite kung fu movie, and it's fair, the same way I was talking about westerns, it's fair for me to say that like kung fu movies should be judged differently than other types of movies. There doesn't need to be a dependence on plot or character development as much. If you get that, it's a huge bonus. Incredible performer, maybe the best to ever do it, with Jackie Chan. We've got a very popular Chinese character in Wong Fei Hung, who has been, his story has been retold and retold and retold several times. Uh, we get Jackie Chan uh, practicing both uh, sort of the five five animal styles, but we also see him involving just such a delight to watch on screen and so well done. The drunken boxing or the drunken fist taught to him by, depending on the origin story, his wicked uncle who was trying to torture him. Compared to other kung fu movies, that's the big difference is um, is this style that's fun to watch. I've seen this movie 30 times. I have bought Kung Fu form books to like practice in the backyard when I was young, when I was you know taking other karate classes. Uh, this movie means a lot to me, and I'm glad I could share it with y'all. Chad, I know you watched the good version. This I is did, important yes. for the listeners, and it, it was important for Russell as well. And it might be an, I did not. it might be important for Brian. There's a couple bad dubs out there. Subtitles always subtitles, but. The Dimension Studios subtitled version is very good, and the other one is not. So you gotta you gotta make sure you get the right one. I believe I give all the details as to the correct dub on the episode from this year. But uh, samurai movies, kung fu movies, this is just a wheelhouse of mine, uh, and I had to share it. I'll keep them coming. I had this was a movie that I had never seen. And I watch from start to finish with a smile on my face. Like, it's just, there's so many fun things. The only hang-up I had on this movie that would have kept it from, like, pure five-star first watch is some of these stunts were repeated in the final fight. And I just wanted different stunts being performed. I know he was really setting up a, this is drunken boxing, here are the, here are the mastered skills. But... They, he goes to the well a couple of times more than I cared for, but the characters were so much fun from top to bottom, particularly uh, uh, Anita Meow. the lady in this film. Yes, and <laughs> she she was wonderful. So everything about this. 
it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably my number two Jackie Chan movie, which is a good thing. Rumble in the Bronx is still Rumble my favorite. Rumble in the Bronx is good. Number 18 is where Some Like It Hot came in. Russell has this as his number five movie, and Dustin likes it as well. He's got it as number 10. Brian has got this at 30, and I have it at 35. I'm not mad. I'm not mad because 35 for me is a good movie still on this list. We don't cover bad movies other than Leprechaun. So, (laughs) I mean, mean. it's an amazing milestone in comedy. It's just so funny. It lives up to its billing in many ways. So, I'm going to do it one more time. AFI says it's the funniest movie of all time. I might not go that high, but it's great. It's so funny that you can avoid dwelling on the ridiculous like plot coincidences toward the end that doesn't matter it's too funny to care about that stuff i mean jack lemon is launched off of this i love jack lemon so even just like springboarding jack lemon's career thank you for that marilyn monroe she is an icon she's amazing this is what i think of first when i think of miss monroe yes Jack Lemmon goes on to be in one of my top five favorite sports movies that is hands down better than uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Legend of Bagger Vance. Breaking away. Yeah. Wow, that's a hot take. Oh, I love, oh Legend I mean, of Bagger Vance. Yeah. That's that's ultimate feel good sports movie. No, for me. I, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's good, but it just you did the thing where you put it above Breaking Away, and my dog was kicked, yeah. and I stopped kicking my dog. Please. <laughs> I don't know. Men, men cross-dressing, is, it's not like a repulsion reaction. It's just, it's something I've never found funny. I, it doesn't work for Monty me. Monty Python begs to differ, man. I'm not a Monty Python fan. I don't like the skits when, I don't like Kids it when hall. Monty Python does it. Kids it, in the hall, yeah. It's, it's just not something that I'm like, ah, oh, this is... Will as Janet Reno. <laughs> Let's keep doing no. examples while Chad tries to talk. Yeah. They're all bad yeah, examples, Shad. Don't worry about it. None of that's going to work. It's a very British thing. of that. That's their style of comedy, so a lot of British comedy fails in that for me. And I also don't like Marilyn Monroe. So after that hot take, I'm going to move Whoa. on. Whoa. No, no, no. You don't nope. get off that easy. What did she do to you? She's a sweetheart. She's very annoying. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> She's she's overrated in the. Oh, I don't buy home with the listeners with my Top Gun take, but I'm gonna make you sit in this roof, one again. The roof, the roof is on <laughs> Chad fire. Chad is spitting hot fire tonight. <laughs> and he's in the driver's yeah, the seat. Roof is on fire. <laughs> I thought I had the hot we take when I was in Top Gun's mediocre, but then you said Marilyn Monroe is annoying. Is annoying. <laughs> she's very annoying. She's just overrated in general, but I. I cannot stand the voice. I just find I would rather listen to Fran Drescher for two hours than I would Marilyn Monroe. Wow. 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 I, I asked him to like, I gave him a shovel to dig his hole deeper and he came in with an excavator just now. Fran Drescher's prettier it's too. It's an excavator. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move off to, to Brian's dealer's choice with frailty. This comes in at number 15. Brian has it as his number seven movie. It's well-liked with one outstanding exception. Dustin gives it his number 11 rating. I give it my number 15. We like frailty. Yeah. But guess who doesn't? Oh, it's no. Russell. I don't Russ- hate this movie. <laughs> uh, your 44th ranking says you might a little bit. I've been fairly earnest about my goals from the start. 
And one of the things that is my my goal in this is to every year win best new discovery and best favorite dealer's choice that isn't yours. So like that's those are those are my superlatives that I I seek. But uh, as long as more people like them than don't, yeah, you were in. It's a win. You were in pretty close company there. I, it was an enjoyable episode to film. You you had the right people on your episode for your dealer's choice. So well chosen, Russell. Any anything for your defense? I can see this not working because it's not happy. We can't spoil it for you, but things don't end well. I'll also say one more thing on this. Uh, this is probably on my top five best twist endings. Yeah, I didn't like that twist as much as you did. But in addition to that, I actually wanted to recast almost everybody. And that was my that was my big problem. Paxson should have stayed in the director's seat on this one. I thought he was a real bad fit for this one. I, I thought McConaughey was good, but I would pretty much change almost everything out around that. I don't like to pick on young actors, but the younger brother on this one... I didn't like very much, and um, I don't know. I just, Isn't I, Chad usually the child actor hater? This was a movie that was so good, I gave the MVP to a child. That's right. <laughs> That's how much I enjoyed this how? movie. I, so I, 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 I'm appreciating the role reversal here. Right? I, yeah. Russell, I, I feel Russell like hates this is, the kids, this is, and I am praising their performance. I think. I think with more money, maybe this could have done some something more. But I mean, again, it was Bill not Paxton, a This was like a passion project. It, yeah. It's a passion project for Paxton, yeah. and I would like to remove him from it. So um, that's the problem. <laughs> I did just notice, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I think it's worthy of noting our next movie up at number 14 is The Ring. But both Dustin and I gave it seven. That's high. As in seven days. Seven and days. Oh, that's cute. I, that's cute. So Was yeah. that on purpose for either of you, or did it just no. saw seven? It might have been subconscious. But no. no, 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 I was not trying to be clever, but it's funny that we both gave it seven. We, and we were, were aligned on exactly on two of our top 10, maybe even more. Right. We're going to pass along the tape. My, my dealer's choice was what happened at 13 behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon, which I think was new to everybody. Yeah. I was very afraid because Russell's like, stop picking obscure horror that was barely released to six theaters. And I said, no, sir, I'm going to pick Don't one. Stop, Chad. I, did, I did say Don't that. Stop, Chad. I did I'm going to pick that. one. That stop, Chad. That, but yeah. It made $69,000 at the box office. Nice. This is what I give you guys. But Dustin. Chad. It made Chad. literally thousands Chad. of dollars. Chad. Chad. Dustin put this as his number six movie. I had it at 14, Brian at 29, Russell at 28. It performed pretty well, but Dustin, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I said something about how some of these other movies were refreshing. And to call a slasher refreshing, I guess it needs to be something special. And I felt like this had it. On the show, we talked about how this director, I think, did maybe like some commercial work and maybe five other movies and that's it right yep. like just shot in the dark i recommended it to my friends my buddy steven called me afterwards like that was so awesome how did you learn about this I'm like, chad i went to his only chad's <laughs> page and he said uh and he said <laughs> that's what we should call all these obscure these of these obs <laughs> obscure horror movies only chads and uh it, it's just uh wild and whoever that actor was who played <laughs> leslie vernon i believe has done very little else that's okay. I'm so glad it was him. I could see this movie casting Ryan Reynolds as him and then me not liking the movie if they did that. Oh, 
Yeah, Lizzie, she gave my favorite line because she watched the trailer with her husband and they both turned to each other and said, this is going to be stupid. (laughs) And at the end of the movie, they both said, that was awesome. Those two leads were great, by the way. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, how did they not get more work? I I found myself wondering, like, they were both and and very funny. Allison was great. Yeah. I think it's really important to note here that Russ and I have nearly identical reviews, but nothing but good things to say about this movie. So, like, yeah, we're way further back than everybody else, but I, I, this is a thoroughly enjoyable film. Yep, I will watch it again. Yeah, it's definitely. I will tell other people to watch it. Can you do me a favor and look it up on AI? Oh, you took the joke out of my mouth. I was geared up. I'm over here it like the revving one up. It's literally in the top 100,000 horror movies by AFI. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. yeah, AFI's top 100,000 movies to make less than $100,000. <laughs> right. It, it's Rob Gronkowski's number one box office. Oh, yeah. yeah nice. Brian, I thought you as action junkie guy would go higher on Independence Day. Like, 27 surprised me. I said, whoa. I don't consider myself an action junkie guy. Do I come across as action junkie guy? Crime, dark stuff, and action junkie guy. I think it's like... Interesting. Uh, Do we want to jump into our top 10? Get right into that discrepancy? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So at number 10, we have Shrek from 2001. Number nine, we have Peeping Tom from 1960. Number eight, Brian Fry, very high up. Dealer's Choice Ronin from 1998. At seven, we have Master and Commander. Six, we have Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. At five, we have The Breakfast Club. At number four, No Country for Old Men. Number three, Casablanca. At number two, The Shawshank Redemption. And our number one, can we get a drum roll, please? Very nice. We have 1999's The Matrix. <laughs> All right, fellas, we've got a lot to talk about. Mostly Dustin's going to have some explaining to do. I think we've got to start, of course, Shrek, of, Shrek is love, Shrek is life. I gave this my number five. Brian Fry gives it an 18, Russell a nine. So it's got really good ratings. Dustin, 38. He's not a believer. Yes, who hurt you, Dustin? <laughs> Was it a donkey? We we talked about how I'm just a little bit younger than y'all. Yes. And one of the things that happens, young teens make the decision for when it's like, I'm going to put the baby stuff away and like move on to adult stuff. And I think Shrek came out right when I was making that decision thinking like, I don't care about this or want this. Now, since then, there's a lot of Shrek out there. Probably yeah. as far as like DreamWorks Shrek related stuff, it's maybe the most memeable thing on the internet. And there's a lot of, yeah. you know, the, Mike Myers' iconic voice, the, you know, the Puss in Boots spinoffs. My favorite Shrek moment is actually from Shrek 2, which is a- Shrek 2 is very Ma- good. Mongo, like the big giant gingerbread guy. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff in these movies. But my connection with it is always just sort of like, ah, I don't really care. I'm sorry it tanked it for y'all, but it's just not 
This is not really my thing. I I, I am going to come to the aid of Dustin here because that is by and large what has kept me away from most Pixar and Disney movies prior to children. But this is DreamWorks. <sighs> you know what we're <laughs> the what we level need. like the I know. level. Of, but I agree with him. Like it's it's why why would I prioritize this? Like I just wouldn't. So Shrek Shrek was something I saw when I was younger. So this one you know made it in under the cusp. But I completely understand the standpoint. And you have no idea how hard it was to not quote Matthew Lillard quoting the Bible in Hackers when he started this whole <laughs> conversation. Shrek for me, is, it was like a gateway comedy of, okay, now I'm transitioning more into an older adult and these animated comedies can have adult things for me. And it's not just, hey, Disney animators got bored and drew a penis in the Little Mermaid <laughs> Tower. <laughs> no, there's actual <laughs> adult jokes here. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> I think that's the first P-bomb. Yeah. Uh, many more to come in 2023. That's our promise to you. The 193. Bomb. It finally happened. Chad pulled it out. Yes. I, don't don't say that. No. All right. I, I'm, Chad, put I, it away. This this <laughs> this is audio a, only, a, but put it away. How do I transition into a movie called Peeping Tom after this conversation? But this is what we've got to talk about because that's what you're into. This was a pseudo dealer's. I I I really hate all of them, but I love Peeping Tom, the movie. <laughs> From 1960. It is my number two movie. So what happened is we had a filler. Brian, Russell, and myself just entered movies into a hat, and we each picked three, and there was a random generator, and it landed on Peeping Tom, which I think disappointed everyone. And we went into this movie. Nobody else had seen it except for me. This is like the first slasher. It's even mentioned in Scream. Of, okay, someone will mention Black Christmas. He's like, no, Peeping Tom, 1960. It's a really good movie. I love the performances, and even the kills for 1960 are fantastic. I'm surfaced you went there. Do you normally like your horror f more fun than this? And this one's, oh, this one's dark. This one's very fun. It plays with the um, taboo, a voyeuristic fascination with the macabre. It's just, and having that be a main character. I do enjoy this movie, by the way. Thank you for introducing it to yeah. me. You recommended it to me many times, so I'm glad I finally got around to seeing it when you made me. But, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but, <laughs> clockwork orange style. Yes. Yeah. But on the other hand, it is, it is very well made to Chad's point. I just find this to be more serious than your normal horror movie loves. You're normally a nightmare in Elm Street guy. I mean, we did do The Loved Ones, which is a very serious movie. Seriously bad. <laughs> I, I, I'm still upset about that, and it's still better than breaking away. I don't see you, did, you did under your, you bite, did undercut bite, yourself with Leprechaun. Bite, like, it's bite, hard to do. Bite. Leprechaun's fun. Wait, you did it? I don't actually think like Carl Baum's character is actually like fun and playful. The, the way that you described it, Russell, I think what's fun and playful is us being able to, to see this movie put together the way that it is. I like him as being reserved, awkward. Uh, I was getting some big uh, Jake Gyllenhaal like Nightcrawler vibes from this movie. Red Dragon, yes. man, that's fair. Red Dragon, Red Dragon. Yep, yep. All of this, and it's it's the Godfather of slashers, and slashers are my favorite. So this is where you get to you, you get to be pretentious. Uh, Scorsese said, "There's two movies you need to see: 
This is right? one of them. Yeah, and the others, I don't want to call it obscure, but it's not something that I would think of, okay, this is the other movie. Brian, your your dealer's choice, and you had the high ranking here. Uh, at number eight was Ronan. This was new to me. I had it at 16, Dustin 22, Russell 27. Great marks all around. It's it's a it's a card I always keep in my back pocket. It's you know it's completely correct at uh, being reviewed as the best action movie no one's ever seen. It's 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 <laughs> ties it, you know ties to the French Connection and and I it's one of the movies that that wins at both being a good movie and being serial rewatchable. I watch this movie several times a year. If you haven't seen Ronan. Watch this movie. It's 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 unfair to this movie that has been seen so little. I went out and told like six people go watch Ronan. Now I don't think a single one of them did, so it's still got that problem. It, it's it's more. I, I don't mean keep to myself as in I don't want anybody else to appreciate it. It's it's more the I want to be the distributor of this film. Yes. Well, the name is appropriate if you watch the movie and it makes a ton of sense. Is the name a disservice to this? Because it sounds like you're going to get samurai swords and right. feudal feudal Japan. I, it's almost too artsy of a of a title. I I think I see what you're saying. And yep. It's unhelpful that they get the story wrong. <laughs> right, you mentioned I mean, that. You might have been better off selling m- tickets if you just said, "Hey, De Niro's in it." Colin, <laughs> I, I, I don't, Colin I don't, I don't want it to rest on that though, because the film itself had good bones. Like it's not a De Niro yes. plotting, you know. It's not a De Niro forcing this to be a good movie. It was just a good Old movie. We've got the Brian Fry projects here. Like we knew Master and Commander was going to be in the oh, top yeah. ten. That's just something I feel like we've talked about it throughout the year. Uh, so we probably Justin's our big boat expert, though. Yeah, we, we probably yeah, don't but there were no wheelchairs well in this movie. That. That's true. Hey, it's tough on a boat. Uh, Dustin, I, I think we do have to address, we'll at least address top five here. Beetlejuice, you've got it as your number five movie mm-hmm. that elevated it a lot. I've got it at 22, Brian 26, Russell at 12. So that, that was good enough to put it in the top six spot. Really? Five? Do we weight it strangely? How does a five, a 12, and then two 20 pluses land in the top 10? Because we constantly... We disagree a lot. Tanked. Yeah, we, yeah. we just disagree a lot. Like, wow. Yeah. T- like top, you, top, you top Gun Shrek. is in my top five. So, yeah. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. It, it, well. A- anchors. <laughs> and yeah. it is in my top 46 movies I saw this year <laughs> on the podcast. And, and you're about to find out that math because I'm about <gasps> to do it to two of them and you're about to do it to okay. what would have been our number one okay. movie. So yeah, let's talk about Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. and not question my math. <laughs> the banker. Beetlejuice is something that, uh, you know, it's, it's odd that it would come up because it doesn't come up on the show that much, but like my little age difference here is that like Beetlejuice as a cartoon in the nineties was like a Saturday morning cartoon or Nickelodeon something. And it's nothing oh, yeah. like the mm-hmm. movie. And then you see the yes. movie, you're like, whoa, this is, this is wild, and it's it should be a little scarier. It's a riot. It's an absolute laugh riot, and uh, performances I'll bring up later. The the Beetlejuice idea kind of got stuck in time because there was a want to do like a sequel. I believe the sequel was going to be like a Beetlejuice goes to Hawaii, and I'm so glad we didn't get that. Yes, and that. we don't need it. All we have is sandworms. 
And, oh, you've been to Saturn? I've been to Saturn. And Beetlejuice is on screen for only like 18 minutes. But when you get him, Michael Keaton's performance, it's just so rad. The the lore is like, I, I, I am a fan of Beetlejuice and I didn't know it. <laughs> like I just, I, I love this movie. It's a good one. I had a blast doing that show with you too. It's very funny. Yeah, Russell and I had the same conversation of we both had seen the cartoon first and then got to this. And it's like, whoa, this is different. And then it drops the F-bomb and you're like, oh, should I be watching this? Right. One of the weird one of the weird F-bombs in movies at that time. Yeah, PG movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, two, Beetlejuice is one of my favorite movies, as is The Fifth Element. And both movies use the same catchphrase, it's showtime. So mm. if uh, it, it's kind of a... Like, you know, if you're going to psych yourself up before a big interview or something, it's showtime. <laughs> nice. I, nice. I did manage to tank our breakfast club ranking. Brian was much kinder to this. I thought for sure this would be a Brian Fry tank. Uh, I came in at 26, Dustin at 9, Brian at 8, Russell at 6. I'll be honest, when we did this episode, I identified far more with the vice principal. It was like, yeah, these <laughs> kids suck. He's trying to get through to them. They all suck. Uh, but... You know, you guys were very kind to it. So that probably kept it out of the top five. The one I really want to touch on, though, because I feel bad about, but it's divisive. Brian Fry has No Country for Old Men at number one. Dustin's right there with him at number three. And then Russell and I split off. Russell is at a 21, and I'm at a 24. So, Brian, you want to talk about your number one movie? This is one of the places that the Academy got their their story straight. This is as close to a... God, I hate saying things like this because it seems so finite. This is one of the movies that I truly think is as close to a perfect movie as I've seen. There's just so little to be improved upon. It is a masterclass of acting. I will give it that. I don't find this story as interesting as some. That's why... At 24, I, it's a slow plotting pace. They really chew on the scenes. I I get it. I get where you and Dustin both, I mean, one and three. This is, it's a highly regarded movie. Well, and we did the show together, and my, my buddy Matt Kirker was the one that pitched it. And uh, I think both of us were immediately like, yes, we must. And uh, it's, as, it's as good as advertised. Javier Bardem becomes exemplary and uh anton chigurh and woody harrelson and, i mean and, and you just keep saying like and this and that tommy lee jones all these performances are incredible in this uh, the, you're a cohen brothers dude yeah dustin absolutely. is this at the top of your cohen brothers mountain um burn after reading is so it's it's quicker it's brighter in terms of levity uh, Burn After Reading is so, so good. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou is so, so good. That's my but favorite. No Country for Old Men is the one that's gotten the most acclaim. And I'd say it's the most impactful, powerful of them. I, I, I want to give a little nod real quick just to... Um... Argo? Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> Argo, too. But it's funny. Westerns were a polarizing thing. Dustin, you were saying you weren't big on Westerns. This is a Western. Right. I think the thing that stands out compared to other Westerns is it's not really like a round the posse up with like, like Magnificent Seven style. A little bit of it is like the, the land is harsh. Nothing's laid out for you. There's no comfort to you in, in the audience. You are learning along the way 
just what this world is and how hard it is. I uh, one of the things that I've always credited the Coen Brothers with is the fact that they can have big prominent movies that people are like, "Wow, look at this!" But they can also have a bunch of under the radar stuff, like Inside Llewyn Davis, and mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things where you're like, when you can have a holy crap, how have you not seen this alongside your Oscar winning film, and one happened after the other, you're just like. Did they do Hail Caesar? Yes, they did. Yep. Hail Caesar, and then the Netflix thing from a couple years back, uh, Busker Scruggs. Yeah, yeah, Bow to Buster Scruggs. Like it's it's just something to wear. Like I never, I never, if I've got I, if I've got I a big list of movies one. and I have to tackle them, like for a show like this, some are going to stand out as like, oh, I definitely want to watch that one more than others. Um, so if the Coens are attached, I'm interested. I, I'm I'm not even sure if I can name a movie that was bad. Chad, I think Dustin's got some explaining to do now. Dustin is on the warpath for the next two. So Casablanca comes in at number three. Sounds like a great rating until you see what we did. I came in at a six. Brian came in at a three. Russell came in at a two. Dustin Wrecking Ball, Miley Cyrus style, 25. Ouch. It's the top half, man. Explain yourself, sir. I think what I'll I'll do here, let me pull up my rankings here. (laughs) I believe. And then what else is next? Okay, so I've got got number two and three. I've got and Shawshank Redemption. Now, let's go back to last year. I also... Knocked 12 Angry Men out of the top spot. Yeah, that's infuriating. Why? No. Is because... Not as, egregi- not as egregiously it. and as aggressively. This as show this, presents me the opportunity to find new things and evaluate things already. Casablanca and Shawshank, I already know it. And I've known it for a while. And a big part of this, I wasn't on either of those shows. So I didn't do the full critical eye like normal. I just sat and watched it. Mm. And with both of these movies, I'm at the point where I'm like, yeah, I kind of know this. And so the magic is gone. Mm, I feel like you're going to have to explain all of that again, though, at number one for the Matrix. There's a reason it's number one, right? Is because it can get yes. you three and it can get me. That's how good it is. Actually, Actually, what I'm stunned is Brian had Matrix at nine. I right. thought I would have said I've Brian. been walking around my whole life thinking, which of your friends likes the Matrix the most? Yeah, yeah. but I everything you're Brian, saying of but it like, turns out oh, these are familiar. These, I I don't have to watch it again with a critical. I feel like the Matrix would fall into that role, and we'll get to it. But yeah, Casablanca obviously it it's rated in a lot of lists as the number one movie of all time. Number three on this list, I think, is pretty respectful. Well, I think what matters here is not, do we need to convince Dustin it's a good movie? I know it's a good movie. Right. I already knew that. What the show would like is for you three to talk about how great the movie is, instead of for me to say <laughs> why I had already been used to it. I mean, you can, I, I, will, I will, on every single one of my picks, if you wanted to go, Dustin, defend yourself, I would. But do I think Ronin's better than Casablanca? Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's I. Th- Dustin just gave me a hug. Well, I, Ch- 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 I'm, I'm not even going to stand against it. There you go. 
I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> I I really enjoyed Ronan. It's it's not in the same spectrum. It's not. All right, look, I'll rewatch one. Not, I'll rewatch one before I'll rewatch the other. Okay. I don't know. Casablanca for me is one of those things where no matter what phase of life I'm in, it what's AFI still says great, say is that. <laughs> what do you know? Two. What's one? Citizen Kane. <laughs> Godfather. No, Citizen Kane. They are so wrong. This this is I, they I, go I, Citizen I, Kane. I, I, I gotta get Brian in here. Then they go. Then they go. I gotta Godfather. say. Uh, so we used to do a, an AFI wall at work. And I got to tell you, there's I, I, there's nothing I hated walking past more than our AFI wall, because I'm like, are every time just vitriol? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> and and this is me saying this out loud in a public space. So, uh, with all due respect to AFI, it's meaningless to me. Citizen Kane was a good movie. I'd probably never watch it again. Uh, Casablanca is an excellent movie that I watch frequently. It's those sort of swings that that bother me on on that level of ranking because I do really take to heart movies you want to watch more than one. It's actually it's interesting you said that Ebert himself, in watching and preparing for that, said if you want to tell me what my favorite movie is and what I watch the most, Casablanca. I've watched it so many times. But if you want to ask me what is a better movie, it's Citizen Kane. And I found myself going like, hmm, I wish you wouldn't use your power <laughs> right. for <Yeah>. that way. <laughs> so, like, like Ebert, vote we're, with your well, heart, man, because Casablanca I, deserves I, I that I truly spot. try to, you know, use my brain, uh, you know, for good with these rankings. <laughs> and, you know, I'll give, I'll give up credit to movies that I don't watch all that often because I realize – what, what kind of impact they make on film. But I'm not going to go out there and tell you guys, uh, I don't let my preferences guide me because when I love a movie, man, that's ride or die. Like that's, right. you know, that you watch something three or four times a year. That's, you know, yeah. this is, this is my boy in my car with me right now. So I, you know, yeah. I, I've got No Country up there. I've got Shawshank. I've got Casablanca. Those were all meaningful, rewatchable, and moreover, fantastically made films. There I want to add something to this. Yeah, go ahead. I bet in some internet forum, you can be a part of a group. It's like Casablanca is the number one movie ever. I want to be a part of the group that says the number one movie of 2022 is The Matrix. That's the group I want to be in. And it, I mean, that's yep. it's an interesting result, and we'll we'll talk about that. But I, the final thing I'll put in for Casablanca, I'm a contrarian by heart, and when everyone's like, "This is the number one movie of all time," this is the number one movie of all time, or at least one of the greatest movies of all time, I go in and I'm like, "I'm going to take this movie down." And when the credits rolled, I was like, "Darn it, they're right. This is a perfect movie." And it's just, I've seen it dozens of times since I saw it in college. I, I got a, we had three this year. Like I, I gave more five star ratings this year than I've ever given period. I mean, I know we're what three oh, yeah. years in, but I mean, no country Shawshank and Casablanca. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, like what, you, what you would, do you do? You would find all of the, all, you'd find arguments for a lot, probably not master and commander for best 
top 10 are Beetlejuice, which are interesting and fun and shows our personality. <laughs> um, I think Master and Commander is one of the most underrated movies of all time. I believe you, <laughs> as you've <laughs> as you've made that argument a thousand. <laughs> Ride or die, boys. Ride or die. Ride or we'll die. <laughs> right. So, uh, our number two movie. This was my dealer's choice, and I had never seen this movie. I wasn't trying to like force the top of the list, but it's another movie that is frequently rated as number one movie of all time. Shawshank Redemption. I had it as my number one. Russell had it as his number one. Brian had it as number two. And Dustin plays our spoiler again. <laughs> Not as bad as Casablanca, but he's at number 14. So, I, Dustin, I think you've already addressed with Casablanca your reasoning for Shawshank as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I will just share my sentiments. Like This was new to me. This was brand new. And I just said, okay, Russell's been on me for years. Watch this movie. And check it out and i finally just said we'll address it i know it'll be a good episode and i was blown away Chad, you just saw shawshank for the first time this year yeah you said that on that I show did. I I did. Did. This, oh this, man this is i how forgot much to like me. i i want to hug you like i want to be like welcome <laughs> it's uh I, I'm still kicking it around in my head, but it, it may take the place of my favorite movie of all time, which is Gladiator. And I, it, it's just different, Whoa. different realms for me of like, okay, Shawshank is a better movie than Gladiator, but I really, I am entertained by Gladiator. So that I was just, I, I'm rarely blown away. Although 12 Angry Men did it for me last year. Uh, I love this podcast. I love being introduced to new stuff. This was just, very few movies make me feel like Shawshank does. Like Fry said, I was happy to be there for you. Yeah, for man. The first time I, you did that one. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm spacing on that actually being a, uh, a a first. So you get a second first reaction of of me being happy for you. <laughs> I can't lose your virginity. I'm twice. still happy for you. We we will do that again next yeah. year when we read off what a class of all the number one movies or whatever, and, and you'll be like, and by the way, Chad didn't see Shawshank. Oh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the Matrix. You gotta talk right? about it. I mean, it's the number one it, movie. It received, I mean, break out the bullet. It time. received no number one votes, but this is how the law of averages work. I had it as my number three. Dustin has it as his number two. Brian Fry. We've talked about this number nine. I really, I thought this would be Shocking. number one for Brian. I'll be honest. And I didn't think there were nine movies in the world that Brian liked better than this one, much less that we covered this year. And Russell has his number three. So Law of Averages, this gave us our number one. And I think it's a worthy movie. Dustin, you have it at the high point. So tell us, what do you love about The Matrix? Uh, I I can't list anything about The Matrix that I don't love. It's it's, uh, total. It's complete. It was brand new. Uh, It was... uh, I mean, the color scheme that I picked tonight, the sunglasses I wear, it redefined, <laughs> it redefined cool for a generation. It allowed, I think Russell said this, like, hacking is cool. And Sorry, hackers, you didn't quite pull it off, but Matrix did. I think it's hard for some people to not lump the same way like Shrek, lump in with the rest of the Shreks, Matrix with the rest of the matrices. Like, it's hard for people not to lump that together, but... You're going to add this futuristic sci-fi, uh, post-apocalyptic world, people versus machines, and kung fu too. Wachowskis, <laughs> thank you. 
forever. And I'm so glad that my, my, one of my best buds from college, Chase, got to be on that show with us. It was incredible. I was very disappointed to miss out on that episode. Same. I, the, thing that, the thing that kept me maybe from placing it even higher, and it's not The Matrix's fault, but it got parodied to death. Bullet Time got parodied to death. Yeah. Uh, and we even see it in Shrek. I, I called it out. It's like, okay, this was two years after, and we just saw it maybe for a decade afterwards. It was just so mind-blowing at the time. Right. Every action movie has it now. Like, TV action has it now, but it is... it. It's a pivotal yeah. moment. It changed the way that we did fast things. It so, Before it looked so cheap, revolutionary you made it blur, cool. you made it whoosh, yeah. and it would blow people's right. hair. And like, like now, it's so much cooler, and it is a, quite an experience, but this is bigger than bullet time. It's like, like Dustin said, it's an immersive world. It's so well written. We keep talking about how it looked. It holds up today because the concept and the writing is really good. And it's just amazing how well it holds Agent up. Agent Smith is it, one of it, the it, best it, villains of all yes. time. Mr. Anderson. Yes. Yeah. So it's aged incredibly well. I, I have watched it so many times, I almost wore it out to death. And Dustin, when I'm in danger of doing that, I put it on the shelf for a while. So I hadn't been back to it for a while. And I was afraid I might come back to it with more criticism. No, it weren't there. It absolutely held up 100%. Oh, it's, so, it's the classic biblical hero arc. So they they took a classic story and put it in a brand new world that was very very interesting. It, it it this this was a highly influential movie for me. In fact, this came up at my brother's wedding last week, where we were sitting around the table sharing a bottle of bourbon, and I was like, "You don't understand the walls that an older brother breaks through." So the younger can walk through them very neatly. And I was like, I still like, I can't get over the fact that I was given the matrix as a gift as a kid. And you guys took that away from me. And I was like, I've, I've, I'm still not over it. I'm still not over it. You're the Patrick Stewart sketch. I've seen everything. And, and, and uh, I remember, I remember dad watching it. Like finally I convinced dad to watch it and he gave it back to me. He goes, that was a really cool movie. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So I, it did influence my music, my taste in a lot of things, but I, I it probably made you like hackers too. <laughs> now I actually saw my, I saw hackers before I saw the matrix. Um, right. I would say the ha that hackers made me love the matrix more. Um, it influenced the matrix. But uh, what I'll say on this is uh, the only reason I bumped it back in my ratings is giving some credence to some older things that, that got me into film in the first place versus what what I consider mine. Casablanca is a mine. Like that's not something that I, I know would consider, exactly what you mean. Like it's not mm -hmm. it's not something that I get to lay claim to. That's something that a different generation gets to lay claim to. The Matrix is mine. Like that's that's something that you can't take away from our generation. So uh, it, like rooting for another college's team, like that's not mine. So that the only reason I bumped the Matrix back is in due deference to some things like Breakfast Club, like the Professionals, uh, and I'll go more into Professionals here in a little bit with superlatives. 
you know, Top Gun really wasn't mine either, given its its eighties stature and the fact that I was like four. But yeah, I like I just I gave some nods out there to movies that I'm like, okay, hats off to you, good sir. But no, I mean, top ten's top ten. So right. the Matrix joins a class of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, L.A. Confidential, Alien, The Exorcist, and now The Matrix as our yep. number ones. Awesome. But you know what? I, I'd i have to go back and look at other years, but this year, our top ten, we had five decades covered. I feel like we're getting better about <laughs> being more, more diverse about this uh, instead of just, here's... Here's our top 10 from the 90s and early 2000s. Dustin did play spoiler twice, which is unusual, but you know what? I, I'm not upset. Like, it was a movie when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, this is going to be our number one. And sure enough, it didn't break the way I thought it would. But yeah, I you could move around any of the top three. I wouldn't argue a word. Dustin, do you want to hand out some awards. I think I want to set the stage for us all to hand out some awards. Yeah, and we have we have a lot of fun categories here. Let's start with a great superlative for the year, 50 movies this year. Brian, who's your best director this year? I went with Peter Weir. I think the monumental task of filming Master and Commander, it's got to be one of the most daunting things that I've I can really consider. I watched an entire documentary on the filming of it. Uh, it, it's purely fascinating and I just hats off. Wow. Good choice. Love yeah. It. And, and it's a great movie for dads. Hey, uh, <laughs> Chad, who is your best director this year? Frank Darabont with the Shawshank Redemption. If you get a movie that's in consideration for my favorite movie of all time, you win best director. Yeah, you know, and I kind of always think of it as being hard. Like, if do we do we only choose from our top ten or our top three movies? But I, I am actually kind of spread out a little bit. Russell, uh, who's your best director? My top spot goes to Breaking Away, Peter Yates. Um, <laughs> but it does. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And Billy Wilder and uh, Some Like It Hot. Frank Darabont and Shawshank was a really good candidate. I like that Chad gave him the nod there. Michael Curtiz and Casablanca. These are these are the ones where I was. And the Wachowski sisters, too. I'm going to mirror the Wachowski sisters. I also thought about Sidney Lumet for Dog Day. And mm. I, I really wanted to give credit for, for Brian Dealer's Choice with Bill Paxton for Frailty. But I ended up choosing Philip Kaufman for The Right Stuff. And I was blown was away awesome movie. because that's two hours and 40 minutes. How did he right. keep me interested for that long? The Coen, hats off to the director. Yeah, the Coens were my runner-up for director. Good call. Yeah. Well, Brian, how about the best cast for the 2022? Uh, so I went with uh, No Country for Old Men. Feel free to disagree with me. I feel like that cast is unassailable. It brought I, it brought Josh Brolin into my life. Woody Harrelson yep. is amazing. Even Brolin's uh, girl, uh, and I'm blanking on her name right now. Um, I've seen her and stuff since then. I've been like, oh man, you and No Country. So uh, there was there was no bad acting in this film. Chad, what about you? Movie we didn't talk about very much. The conversation has Gene Hackman, Harrison Ford, John Cazale, Cindy Williams. I just thought from top to the bottom, I, Gene Hackman says it's his best movie. And I think the cast really helps. You guys were the ones to tell me about like, hey, John Cazale, you should look into what he does. <laughs> he only wins. He, that's all he, he does. He only hits home runs. He only <laughs> hits home runs. Russell, who's your best cast? I can't believe 
I didn't pick the Breakfast Club because, like, the, I, I usually go around like it's one of my f- it, first things that it's I just my go, runner up. He forgot I, I about agree. it. Yeah, yeah. I I usually just go. It's the Breakfast Club, but Casablanca made me realize when we were recording it, it's just so good. So some like it hot and Prisoner of Azkaban are right behind it. That Harry Potter cast was amazing. Well, uh, I'm actually right with you with the Azkaban cast. Uh, the Right Stuff cast was incredible. The Dirty Dozen were some performances that I hadn't got a chance to see these people do anything else. Uh, but I went with The Matrix. Uh, these are iconic roles for some potentially typecast roles for the rest of their careers because of how successful this was. So Keanu, Fishburne, Joey Pants, Carrie Ann Moss, some of the smaller roles like Tank, Apoc, Switch. Hugo Weaving's performance might be the best of all of them, you know? So... Uh, let's look Agreed. at just an individual actor. Let's do a best male actor for 2022, Brian. Uh, so my best actor goes to Humphrey Bogart for Casablanca, but uh, with a strong nod to Javier as my my runner-up. Yep, I also had him as a runner-up. Chad, what about you? Going back to the conversation, I thought Gene Hackman was perfection in this awkward character. It's not who I usually see him play. Awkward is right. Russell. It's hard to pick an actor because I do, I do value comedy and horror more than just acting. But I, I hate to be one note with Brian Bogart gets mine. But I do want to give some shout out to some other things like Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills Cop was a powerhouse. Yeah, like he was just so yeah. funny. Uh, Woody Allen and Take the Money and Run. Jack Lemmon, Some Like It Hot, and um, you know it's not really acting. It's just the shoe that fits. Tommy Lee Jones and No Country for Old Men is just like <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of being him. <laughs> he is this character. Like, he was born in Texas to play this. So it's not really acting. Bruce Willis always says, I'm not really acting. I'm just, I I am in movies. I'm not a very good actor. Tommy Lee Jones is a good actor, but he's not, like, he's just right for the part. He's just right. Uh, I had, as my runner-ups, uh, Javier Bardem, uh, Paul Bettany's character in Master and Commander. Uh, mm. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. Uh, Good and I, I thought I thought I would be the only one to bring up Mel Gibson's performance in Conspiracy Theory. He was way low on our list, but um, getting that kind of role uh, and and mm. doing passable at it, if not great at it, uh, is was something that must have been tough. But in the end, I gave it to Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus in The Matrix. Wait, I, I guess I, I also want to interject here. You put him, wouldn't you put him as like the best supporting? No. <laughs> it's his list he can do it i gotta tell you though okay. Lawrence fishburne has one of the most irritating lines in film history and it is from the matrix like it's one of those things that i've never gotten over with such a what perf- is it per- he's starting to believe <laughs> dude shut the f- like for real like you, you needed like to say that, that. you needed to say that like we What's see thank uh, ah I, I've never been so irritated for a, like even in the theater. Aww. I wanted to be like that took me out of this. Like you stopped trying you, to hit you, me and hit you me. You pulled the plug on my brain Brian, with how bad Brian, that line was. Man, worse in a movie with whoa, I know kung fu. Yeah, at least there's an epiphical piece of that where they downloaded the lifetime worth of knowledge into your head and you're like, I don't know how to deal with that. Yet you have Mr. Captain Effing Obvious coming in with, he's starting to believe. Ah! Ah! Brian, 
Brian's a little bit mad at Larry Fish right now. No, so. it's not his fault. It's it's in the script. I'm just saying, like that's that is one of the worst movie lines of all time. <laughs> I'm glad we have the time to talk about it now. Spicy take. Well, uh, how about we go, Brian, with your best female actor of 2022? Going Ingrid Bergman for Casablanca again with a a very happy hats off to Naomi Watts in the ring. Yes. Like, yeah, I'm I'm, well, I'm starting to feel a well bit chosen. of a pattern here. Chad, who's your best female actor? Holly Hunter in Broadcast News. I could watch her just, that was a tour de force of acting. I will mirror the sentiment and say that's exactly my choice as well. Uh, what about you, Russell? Um, Going behind Brian steals my thunder. I picked Ingrid Bergman as well. She does a lot without speaking. And like she does, she she does a lot of like the physical acting and she does she has to do a part that is waffling and tra- changing and she handles all of that change really well so but shout out to glenn close for fatal attraction yes she, she movie was, we did not talk she, about she was uh she was great in that and lily tomlin nine to five i mean movie just wouldn't be the same without her she was awesome i love lily tomlin i had a couple of runner-ups as well diane keaton in first wives club and ava gardner as well we don't want to have him stealing your thunder the whole time. Russell, how about you kick us off with best supporting male actor? Morgan Freeman. I mean, if you don't, I've, his narration and walking through this movie is just so vital to Shawshank being so great. But, you know, shout out to like Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. His name's on the movie, <laughs> but he's really a supporting actor. Right. So like, yeah. I mean, he's not in it that much as we talked about. So Michael Keaton... I have Lawrence Fishburne here as the Matrix as a possibility. Oh, yeah. And um and Claude Rains again from Casablanca dipping into that well. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, almost famous. Mm. Very memorable. That's a great supporting uh, yes. supporting yes. actor. Yes. Uh all right, Brian, your turn. Uh I gave it to Jack Nicholson for Easy Rider. Uh I almost think that that was it's one of the for a movie that I had a lot of issues with. I mean, given it's it's place in history uh jack nicholson did a lot to redeem it <laughs> yeah show he was the best part yeah she was a show stealer so uh yeah totally jack nicholson for easy rider and uh with a, a hats off to gary oldman for prisoner of azkaban and cool. basically getting me into the harry potter franchise yeah chad who is your best supporting male actor donkey <laughs> eddie murphy in shrek <laughs> I had a quick joke idea of saying that my best supporting actor would have been uh, Damon Wayans as the Banana Man. <laughs> uh, my, my my choice is actually, and it might seem weird, but my, my choice is Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith in The Matrix mm. as supporting. It's a great choice. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, a runner-up, mm. as we like to call him on the show, Gene Reno as Vincent mm. from Ronan. It doesn't go Gary well. Oldman. But all- That's Jean Reno, right? <laughs> Thank on the you. show we call him gene reno gene and then reno. Uh, from from some like it hot joe e brown as osgood fielding the third was a delight he was let's go back into our regular order brian your best supporting female actor gloria foster as the oracle in the matrix she's one of the most impactful characters i've ever seen in a movie yeah it was it it, it really is a a tragedy that she wasn't able to to right. continue with that part. So, uh, yeah, that and then uh, Maggie Smith, 
Professor McGonagall is mm, is yeah. <laughs> I mean a show stealer. You can change double door out. Nobody notices. Yeah, but Maggie, yeah, Smith. Maggie Smith <laughs> locks it down. And I'll say I'll say that for Coltrane too. One thing that that I've always appreciated about the the franchise is uh, one of the unsung heroes is Jim Dale, who narrates the Harry Potter books and somehow manages to do Maggie Smith and Coltrane perfectly. Best supporting female actor, Chad. Dolly Parton in Nine to Five. Great role. I think the movie just. She brings a sweetness to it. And a close friend of mine. Russell, your best supporting female actor. You're going to laugh, but I picked Anita Moy on this one. We, on the show, we like to say Anita Meow. Meow. Yeah. I... <laughs> In a Jackie Chan movie, she steals the show. She's hilarious. Mm-hmm. She's very funny and elevates it. Also, shout out to Dolly Parton, Diana Rigg for, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Francis McDormand for Almost Famous, and and Moira Shearer from Peeping Tom. Oh, yeah, good choices. Uh, well, Mike, my, my runner-ups uh, <laughs> are kind of silly. Uh, Kim Cattrall in Big Trouble Little China. Oh, boom. <laughs> That's boom. awesome. No, don't you ever say Kim Cattrall That's what anything, I mean. It's, a, it's a silly pick it, because it's ridiculous how she chose to do that. And for my serious <laughs> answers, though, uh, it'd be Bette Midler from First Wives Club, Anita Meow, or Anita Mui, her name, uh, as playing Ling Wong, uh, Fei Hung's mom. But the the winner's got to be Catherine O'Hara from Beetlejuice. Good choice. We also get Catherine O'Hara in Home Alone 2, but she is also a a show stealer. Ooh, uh uh-oh, it's getting a little steamy in here. Let's go with our sexiest female from our 2022. That's not your catchphrase. You say spicy. I'm spicy. Uh Oh, it's time to get a little spicy. Let's get our sexiest female picks. Brian, you're up first. Claudia uh, Cardinale. Cardinal, yeah. yeah. Uh, Claudia Cardinal. She, I Gorgeous. had, a, I had a very difficult time, like focusing on dialogue when she was on the screen. <laughs> I was like, man, she is exceptionally attractive, like yeah, very Italian beauty. So, um, when Bert Lancaster goes, "What makes you worth a hundred thousand dollars?" and Brian's like, "Do we have to ask?" Yeah, I was like, uh, all, all, all of that, <laughs> all of this I'm uh, looking at right here. <laughs> Uh, with a, a special thanks here to uh, Natasha Mechelon from uh, Ronan. She's not someone that I've ever really considered like that, like soft to the eye. There's an aspect to her. Like she's got those dusky eyes and knows how to use a firearm. So uh, there's something to be said about that too. Nice. All right, Chad, who is your sexiest female for 2022? I too was extremely distracted by Claudia Cardinale. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Fomke Jensen from Deep Rising. Right. Yeah. 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 Playing a Trillion. Russell, who is your sexiest female for this year? I had Fomke Jensen as a runner up, by the way, Chad. Um, I figured. Yeah. But that I elevated also had... your Deep Rising ranking. Shh, yeah, she could break you. <laughs> yes. huh. She I was would gr- let her. On a top? I also have as a runner up somebody who annoys you. Yes, Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson was the sexiest female of this. Marilyn Manson and something like it hot. Both of them annoy me, so Marilyn Monroe. And then a combination of Ali Sheedy and Molly Ringwald in Breakfast Club is very is very left right left right. Yeah, put those hands together. But the winner, the winner is going to be. I've never seen a movie with her before. Ava Gardner caught me off guard. Oh, and the killers wow. and i was just like 
uh, you know, to quote uh, Jack Nicholson and Batman, stop the press. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> um, I'm actually going to go so far. I think in the show, because I wasn't on that show, we're talking about Ava's acting performance. I think it was mainly, I, I, what stood out to me was just her first appearance on screen. Uh, my runner-ups are Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun, Marilyn Monroe, can't be ignored. Uh, Anne Archer. Sure she can. Also not annoying. <laughs> <laughs> not annoying. Anne Archer in Fatal Attraction. My number one has got to be Vivica A. Fox as Jasmine in Independence Day. It's very, very mm. small role. Yes. Doesn't matter. Um, sexiest male. Let's start off, Brian. 2022 movies. You know, I, I've, I gave this a lot of thought because I wanted to really give a good answer for this. And I've got to yeah. go with Josh Brolin on this. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Makes I sense. He, I think he's just my kind of guy. Chad, who are you going with? I gotta go with the classy Sir Roger Moore and Moonraker, but shout out to peak Tom Cruise and Top I Gun. I just threw up in my mouth. From Tom Cruise? No, from Roger Moore. Oh. Hands down. I actually like the collateral dog. Tom Cruise. No, he's, he's a charming dude. Russell, who's your sexiest male? I went with Dennis Quaid from The Right Stuff. Wow. Harrison Ford in the conversation probably gets it, but I think I picked him last year, so to um, distance myself from locking in too much, <laughs> I, I, I am not picking Harrison Ford in the conversation and going with Dennis Quaid. Hey, if Clooney had appeared, I would have picked George Clooney. So. Nice. You get, a double do- you get a double dose of Quaid, too, and breaking away. My runner-ups here, uh, Treat Williams in Deep Rising, mm. uh, William Hurt in Broadcast News. I actually, I'm still kind of on the fence. I'm going to go second place would be Burt Lancaster as the Swede. And my number one has got to be Val Kilmer as Iceman. That's hot stuff. Oh, Burt Lancaster, that's a good choice. Both were, they were both great choices. 1A and 1B for me right there. Okay, now we're getting into some more nuanced superlatives here. Favorite dealer's choice picked by someone else, Brian. I went with uh, Chad with Shawshank. Sure, I've seen it before, but I mean, that's... It, it was the best movie of the dealers. So, Shawshank. Yeah. Chad. This was so tough, and I feel so bad. Like, Brian, on an aggregate, Frailty and Ronan were right there. You were hitting it out of the park for me. But Dustin, the legend of Drunken Master, just barely edged mm-hmm. out Fry's picks. I, yeah, I've gushed about this movie. Great time. Love the choice. Russell. I mean, Shawshank, Redemption... Is a trump card. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, it just, it, it wins. Chad, you and I were aligned a lot uh, in some of, some of our picks. You know, you picked my dealer's choice. Uh, if I have it right, Peeping Tom actually wasn't a dealer's choice. It was just a name you all threw in a hat. You can right. call it this mm-hmm. such, though. I well, mean, that was my runner nobody... up behind the mask, yeah. the rise of Leslie Vernon is a new favorite of mine and a yearly rewatch now. It's nice. very, very good. That's awesome. All right. Love it. Uh, Brian, give us your biggest thrill. This, the scene that gave you the biggest thrill this year. Uh, it's got to be the Matrix. I mean, and I could name stop, four, four, five <laughs> scenes that you're just like commit to it. Well, part? Probably the end sequence where you know he actually beats Smith for the first time. I think okay. that's still my favorite. You saw it. No, in Lieutenant, your men are already dead. Chad, what's your biggest? His thrill? cadence is fantastic. All of the car chase scenes from Ronan, mm. I thought they were just absolutely fantastic. Yes. And when a movie can make me duck yes. and dodge <laughs> in my chair. Exactly. Yeah, I, I know that exact feeling. Good call. That was one of my runner-ups. Russell. 
mine's gonna have to be the Matrix. I'm gonna follow suit with Fry for the umpteenth time. It's but mine is the lobby shootout when they enter the building. They go through a metal detector and all pandemonium breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Guns. Oh, lots yeah, of guns. Lots of guns. Yes. What a great scene. So for mine, I actually kind of do a little weird uh, take on the biggest thrill every year. And so for, for mine, it is going to be in the ring. It's the lead up to the eventual turn, uh, the, the scary house where Richard Morgan is uh, going to surprise <laughs> our, our hero. That's a cool feeling from when I was young. Okay. So the biggest laugh. Let's go from the biggest thrill to the biggest laugh. Brian. To wives and sweethearts, may they never meet. May they never meet. Nicely done. Nice. Jed. I'm going to keep annoying Russell. I, the pogo stick death scene in <laughs> Leprechaun brings me such joy. <sighs> it's good. I, I, I really <sighs> like him on roller skates behind the Jeep, too. I got to get some Listerine to wash the taste out of my mouth on that one. <laughs> I mean, second would be the do you know the Muffin Man scene with Gingy and Shrek. So. Okay, you've redeemed yourself partially. Russell, what's your biggest laugh? It's funny, I had I had two runner-ups from the same movie there that uh, take take the money and runs competing bank heists where Woody <laughs> Allen shows up to rob a bank while somebody else is also trying to rob the same bank and they argue over it. That's very funny. And um, earlier in the movie, he also wants to rob a bank and he misspells his ransom note of, I have a gub instead of a gun and they debate it and everybody comes in to read the letter. This is just outrageously absurd hilarity that the i love gub. and yeah and a little bit of shout out to jack lemon coming in after being proposed to and drag and playing maracas being like i've been proposed to who's the lucky girl <laughs> me are you calling my fiance a bum yes. i'll actually go my biggest laugh was the entire movie of some like it hot but specifically with tony curtis and marilyn monroe in the parlor uh, uh on the millionaire's boat uh, all of that dialogue back and forth where he's describing how he can't fall in love and she's falling for it hook, line, and sinker is so fantastic. Let's go. Let's let's stay nice and warm. Most heartwarming scene, Brian. Uh, I Shawshank Redemption, when, when they actually get back together. I got to tell you, if you've been through what those men have been through and you get to sit on a beach with absolutely no, you know, negativity and infecting your life for then on, like, that's the goal. That, like, oh my god, the end of that movie, I was just like, y'all deserve every piece of that. For sure. Yep. Chad, your most heartwarming scene. Duncan's toy chest scene with Kevin and Mr. Duncan where he's explaining the turtle doves. There's something just about, uh, I'm not the childhood innocence guy, but it's just heartwarming seeing Kevin's perspective and Mm -hmm. where the turtle doves end up. And I just love everything that he doesn't know. He's talking to Mr. Duncan. Yeah. But sure is not giving it to buzz. (laughs) No. Russell, what's your choice? Breaking away. It's a, it's a touching moment where uh, the main character is having an epiphany. Everything's crashed out on him. He's very upset and he wants to possibly go to college. And it's a, it's, it's alienating his father. It alienates his friends. It alienates the world he's come from. And so there's a scene in there where his father divulges that he would like to have gone to college and that he would like him to go to college. It's an incredibly touching scene. And it's a big parenting moment where he he swallows his pride as a father to be there for his son and say, because he's a very proud guy. He doesn't let his guard down at all, but he becomes vulnerable and, you know, he wants his kid to go on and do better things than he'd done. And isn't that what we all want for our kids? Just to be able to achieve even greater than you could have done and to 
not say this wasn't too good for me. So, um, very touching scene. It'll it, tearjerker. No, glad to hear about it. I was about to tell you that you were selling past the close, but I liked hearing you talk about it. Uh, my most heartwarming scene. I want to ask y'all: Do we remember? Does Jaws's girlfriend have a name? Is it like Daphne or something? Mm. Something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. With the braces, I, I know who you're talking about, but I well, don't know her name. Jaws and brace face in the satellite, and they they toast to each other, and they say, and he says, "Here's to us." That's my most heartwarming scene. And, and that's, <laughs> I love it. That, that's his only. There's it's, nothing wrong it's with that. Only, there's nothing wrong, right? It. I really thought Shop Around the Corner was very heartwarming. The whole thing, but yeah, I, I Richard Keel deserves all the credit, and we like to give it to him. Um, that's let's awesome. kind of take it. Let's kind of veer off here. What didn't hold up over time to you, Brian? Oh, hackers! Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's. It makes me feel better. It, it makes me feel better that you said it's, that. It's 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 an absolutely horrible. Like, I I'd even say it didn't. <laughs> it, I I would absolutely say it didn't hold up at the time. Like the the graph the the iTunes visualizers it uses to simulate hacking probably annoyed a lot of people. Um, <laughs> as someone who doesn't know anything about that sort of thing, it was just fun and cheeky. But. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's number one. I, I still remember the line where he goes, guys, this is insanely great. It's got a 28.8 kbps modem. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And oh. we're dated. So, cringe, right? I mean, yeah, it's 100% hackers. Like, if there's anything in this entire <laughs> list that is not held up over time, it, I mean, it, it's got to be hackers. Chad, do you agree? Oh, but wait. Nope. Nope, I am going with Crank, which has straight-up sexual assault that turns out, air quotes, okay, because Amy Smart is ultimately it, enjoys yeah. it. Yeah. I felt, bad for, I felt bad for Amy Smart in that movie. That, I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I know you were paid, but I feel bad for you for taking this role. I feel bad yeah. for us having to cover it. <laughs> that's, that's not a cool thing to have happen. I will briefly say Home Alone 2's entire premise no longer holds up due to airport regulations. <laughs> like, that movie cannot happen. Yeah, makes sense. Well, Crank is not that old, either. It's one of the newest movies we've ever covered, and we're saying it didn't hold up. I find that particularly amusing. I mean, 2006, that was long That's before the Me Too, but we still knew better than to sexually assault our girlfriends in 2006. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Russell. What didn't hold up? Brian actually took mine with hackers, so um, that that is very much true. And Chad took my thunder with crank. So just to be different, I am going to say the Hobbit. Not nearly as much as the other two. The Hobbit. The more and more I watch it, the less and less I. It, it is very hard for me to not say that it's like returning to the Lord of the Rings. But like, if you've ever walked into a big room as a child, and then you go back to it as an adult, it's not a big room at all. The Hobbit. I liked them at the time when I saw them. But I think I need to spend less and less time with them because I don't, they just, they feel hollow. I see what you mean. All three Russell, of them. Russell, you know what didn't hold up? Dustin, you know where I'm going with this? Don't say Dracula. Breaking away. The guy's chest as the leprechaun jumped on it <laughs> with a pogo stick. <laughs> no, it did not. It was definitely pierced many times. You guys and your loved in love. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's fun, man. <laughs> I mean, it well, wasn't me, in my top ten or anything crazy, but I mean, it's <laughs> it's an amusing for, for, horror movie. It's great. Before, before you made me watch it again, I already had it in like my bottom twenty movies ever. He drives a little tank. <laughs> 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 Listen to how Matt, much fun we're having talking about it. 
<laughs> instead of us having to bite our lips every time you bring up that stupid bike movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, don't didn't hold up that over Oscar t- winning uh, bike movie. Oscar winning bike movie. That's true. For me, I have two here. I already mentioned that Monkey Business. It to me isn't a movie. It's just an, an hour long jokes, and, that, and that's they're funny jokes. I like them, but it's not a movie. My other option would be uh, Easy Rider. Uh, Easy Rider doesn't oh, hold up choice. to me at all. Uh, the first right. twenty minutes of it are just like, uh, and you see that what was it Hopper, Dennis Hopper, and uh, uh, you see that they just Honda. wanted to make a movie Honda. where we like ride around on motorcycles with the camera crew. Like it's it's vanity, and uh, everything after it has been done better. So, the reboot's uh, coming soon. Yeah, there we go. Hey, uh, what was new to you this year, Brian? That your best new discovery? Uh, the professionals. Like I can't, yeah, you I, I can't put something in the top five and then not say like, all right, that was it. But yeah, I I, I know I'm on an island here, but really enjoyed. I'll, I'll that sneak film. in there. I'll sneak in there with my answer and say, yeah, I can't say my number one movie wasn't my best new discovery. So the shop around the corner for me, Chad. What about you? I mean, we've covered Shawshank to death, so I'm going to say The Conversation. Nothing about it seemed appealing at all, but I had yeah. such a great time watching it. And Dog Day Afternoon was delightful. I'll yes. say that Conversation is probably my number two. I will admit that after watching it, I was like, man, that was really good. And, and that's one I had not seen before. That's a really good episode, by the way. Just It was a fun listen. I definitely, as I was watching, I was like, ooh, this is art. Russell, what's your uh, best new discovery? I had not seen it. It was a dealer's choice, but Take the Money and Run was mine, and I know that feels like a cheap pick, so a more humble one that I did not choose to watch would be 9 to 5. I really had fun with that. Awesome. All right, let's get... We've got two left, two of these special superlatives left. What was most improved by a rewatch from you, Brian? Probably Dog Day Afternoon uh, would be my my most improved. I, I, I watched it back in the day, and when I say back in the day, it was 20-plus years ago. And on coming back to it, I was like, why don't I watch this more often? But yeah, I think it, it improved in its ranking. Like if I rested on the fact that I had seen it in the past, I don't think I would have had it at 14. What about you, Chad? I think frailty. Uh, this is one of the God, rare so opportunities good. where when we, we dissect a movie and it makes it even better. Yeah. And I think it was a good episode where each one of us was keen in on something new to look for. So I really enjoyed that. I liked learning that Brian had an Otis axe. Had. 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 Original Otis was stolen. Yeah. Russell, most improved. My most improved by rewatch would be Honor Majesty's Secret Service. When I first watched this one, I actually wrote it off and just said, Lazenby sucks. And yeah, I did too. I was hard on right. it, and I was hard on it. And over the years, I've watched it, not just for this episode, but it's a pretty good Bond. And I mean, to sit there and go, oh, it should have been Sean Connery is a disservice to it. It, it stands up on its own pretty well. And um, shout out to Broadcast News, because when I first saw that when I was 17, I hated it. Mm-hmm. So it came back into a, I get it, which is a long way back from, I hated it. Yeah. For for me, it wasn't about the improvement. It was about the new discussions. And I think we kind of touched on that for the rest of you boys as well. Uh, for me, it was the ring. Uh, I knew I liked mm. it. I knew that I held it in high regard, but I didn't know that other people did as well and could bring such new material to the show. So it was awesome for me. Haunted Lighthouse. You. Dustin's the guy. We found out he's he's going straight for that haunted lighthouse. Yeah, if you need somebody to push the button, if you need somebody to draw the pentagram, 
I'm your boy. Hey, last superlative for this year. What was the most fun episode you got to record, Brian? The Professionals. I had so much fun on that film as a you know new introduction piece to enjoying a film, and then also you know how we had our discussion for it. So uh, again, I realized that you know what what's new and shiny, but yeah, really, really enjoyed that one. Nice, Jed. I'm going to push so much on this. So the, the princess and the frog, I got to record with my wife and I got to record with Lizzie. Who's a Disney fan music, nostalgia. We were singing. It was a warm and fuzzy time. It's something that I clearly wouldn't have gotten with uh, a male centric cast, but uh, you know, dealers choices when they shine through, especially mine behind the mask went over so very, very well with Fry and Lizzie. That was such a fun bantering episode. Leprechaun, it was an impromptu, like we took one or two days to prepare with Dustin. It was a two-man show. And then Russell and Fry experiencing Peeping Tom for the first time. I think everyone went in with a high degree of skepticism and it just turned out of, whoa, okay, all right. So, yeah. Yeah. Giant push, but... Yeah, some some great some great opportunities for great movies and great shows. Russell, uh, what were your fun episodes? Gosh, I have a lot of fun doing this. So, um, this is tough, but Beverly Hills Cop was a lot of fun. It just was a lighthearted movie and I did enjoy doing it so much. Shawshank Redemption to get a hold of a movie that good and to have be there for Chad's first time. And Brian's first time again tonight, watching Chad have his first time is also very special. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, and then, and then Beetlejuice was a lot of fun to cover as well. Yeah. You know, I, I'll mirror the Beverly Hills cop. That was a really fun episode. Our guest was recording from his car and <laughs> commenting on like the stray cats in his neighborhood. You could tell it was just one of his favorite movies. Second place for me would be the Dracula episode with Matthew Conium. It's pretty cool when you can get one of the leading experts in a field. And it was fun to just be a normal dude talking to this guy who published a book on 1931, Bram Stoker's Dracula, like 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 this stuff, and telling him, like, yeah, I think uh, Dracula needed something else to do. And he's just kind of like, sure, I actually see what you mean. But my number one most fun episode to record this year, which is a nice little circle, I think, for the show, Valentine's Day. <laughs> really? It was our worst rated movie, but I had so much fun recording on it because it's there's like a little ball of energy, like joy inside you when you know I'm about to pulverize this movie. <laughs> I'm about oh, to blast this oh, into the cheap seats. So I am about to destroy this so movie bad. and just be smiling on the camera the whole time, like, oh yeah, you know, George Lopez, check out what he had to say, and then just boom, <laughs> killing it. Uh so that was great. Uh another great year, uh fifty great shows. Can't wait to do more. Uh we probably need to look into movie selection for next time. Who's gonna help me? I got you, bro. Option one. The Great Gatsby from 2013. 2013, that seems recent. Well, that's right. Uh, we're going to be doing our new retro. So these are the movies that are just 10 years old as of, well, as of January. So The Great Gatsby from 2013. A writer and Wall Street trader, Nick, finds himself drawn to the past and lifestyle of his millionaire neighbor, Jay Gatsby. Option number two. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. 
from 2013. When both he and a colleague are about to lose their job, Walter takes action by embarking on an adventure more extraordinary than anything he ever imagined. Or option number three, Oblivion from 2013. A veteran assigned to extract Earth's remaining resources begins to question what he knows about his mission and himself. Brian, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to turn against the skid here because I am not on this episode, so I'm going to select The Secret Life of Walter Mitty for others to have to watch Ben Stiller instead of me. That's one Ben Stiller movie you don't have to watch. Well, that'll do it for our 2022 countdown. What a blast. Gentlemen, Lizzie, we'll get you next year. Uh, and hey, thank you guys for joining me. This was, this was awesome. Uh, and remember, all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, we invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Russell? Someday, and that day may never come, I'll call upon you to do a service for me.